Our first lesson comes to us from Psalm 10. Listen now for the word of God. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Rise up, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. Why do the wicked renounce God and say in their hearts, you will not call us into account? But you do see. Indeed, you note trouble and grief that you may take it into your hands. The helpless commit themselves to you. You've been the helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoers. Seek out their wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations shall perish from his land. O Lord, you will hear the desire of the meek. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice for the orphan and the oppressed, so that those from the earth may strike terror no more. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 10 through 14 and 19 to 27. Hear now the word of the Lord. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to keep still. The angel of the Lord who was going before the Israelite army moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and took its place behind them. It came between the army of Egypt and the army of Israel, and so the cloud was there with the darkness, and it lit up the night. One did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. 
is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds, that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. This morning we find the Israelites standing on the shores of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army closing in on them. They could not move forwards and they could not go back. They were between the proverbial rock and a hard place. Suddenly their great dream of freedom that they've been cherishing for so long didn't sound like such a wonderful idea after all. Now, if you recall, the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. That's a long time. 400 years of captivity and servitude. 400 years of victimization. 400 years of being used and treated as less than human. And so by this point, slavery was was all they knew. They had grown comfortable with it. I mean, it was miserable, but it was comfortable. And the truth is, every one of us is somewhere along that journey from slavery to freedom. Between Egypt and the land of God's promise. But anytime you've lived as a slave for anything for very long, Beginning the journey to freedom is never easy. And there will always be obstacles along the way. And the only way any of us is going to make it there is if we learn to stop acting like a slave. Now, this slavery can take many forms in our lives. Some of us are enslaved to the demands of our jobs or the demands of our families whether it be a parent or a spouse we can never seem to satisfy, or the children whose sports schedules dominate our entire lives and prevent us from fulfilling our baptismal vows. Some of us are enslaved to alcohol or money or destructive behavior or their own egos as we chase after trophies and promotions and accolades and affirmation. Some of us are enslaved to the voices that still echo in our heads saying, you're not good enough. You're not the pretty one. You don't have what it takes. You're not special. You're not thin enough. You are not lovable. Others of us are enslaved to feelings of resentment or jealousy or guilt or self-pity. But surely there is no slave master more controlling than that of fear. Because fear will convince you that slavery is really not all that bad after all. And that the misery you know is far better than the mystery you do not. 
Well, as the Israelites were standing there on the shores of the sea, watching the chariots of Pharaoh's army bearing down on them, churning up the sand, they became very afraid. And so they started complaining to Moses, longing for their old, comfortable misery of slavery once again. And they said, is it because there were not enough graves in Egypt that you have brought us out here to die in the wilderness? What is it you have done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we said to you when we were in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Notice the Israelites mention Egypt five times in their complaint. But they don't mention God at all. Not even once. And this was just after God had had sent ten dramatic plagues against the Egyptians in order to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go free. They had witnessed God do unbelievable things and miracles on their behalf through Moses. And now they were on their way to the road of freedom as God's very presence went before them to the the, the, the pillar of cloud and fire. But as soon as things became a little uncomfortable, they immediately forgot all about God and thought only about what they were losing instead. This is always when complaining takes over our lives. When we take our focus off of God and focus instead on our circumstances or on our losses or on the obstacles standing in the way of our dreams. So whenever you find yourself complaining a lot in life, whether it be about your job or or your government or your relationships or your church, you can be very sure that your complaint has usually far less to do with any of those things than it does your relationship with God just as the Israel's complaint wasn't really with Moses, but with Yahweh. It's just far easier to complain than it is to do the hard work of walking with God into freedom, because that requires you to let go of your painful past and your disappointment and your own plans for the future, and instead follow the mysterious, an often surprising road that God is leading you on instead. Now, there was another road that the Israelites could have taken to the promised land, the way of the Philistines, it was called. It ran along the Mediterranean Sea. It was direct, well-marked, and would have gotten them there much faster. And we always prefer faster. But instead, God led them on a roundabout route down through the wilderness toward the Red Sea where there were no signs, no rest stops, no hotels, no food trucks, no wine shops. It was a much longer and more difficult option. But you see, The road to freedom and discipleship 
never follows the quick and easy path. After all, getting to the destination as quickly as possible was never the goal because it takes time to unlearn the habits of slavery. And remember, only free people can get into the promised land. And besides, it's not even our job to get ourselves to the right place in life. That's God's job. No, our job is to get to know and love the God who is traveling with us along the way, especially when it appears as if the life that we have known is over. For only then can we discover that it is God alone who has the power to bring new life out of death and that the road to freedom is found in learning to see that the Savior is with us. This is why coming to worship and doing daily devotions are so important. Spending time each day in prayer and in God's word is the primary way we learn to recognize God's presence and power in our lives. It trains us to keep our eyes fixed on God throughout the day rather than on whatever it is that Pharaoh is threatening to take away from us. It teaches us to let go of our fears and put our trust in God alone. Notice, when the Israelites started complaining to Moses out of their hopelessness and fear, Moses did not try to service their complaints or argue them out of their fear. He certainly didn't try to take on Pharaoh's army as if he could be the savior. Instead, he directed their attention away from Pharaoh's chariots, which is the only thing that they could see, and toward the God who alone had the power to save them. He said, do not be afraid but stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to keep still. Or perhaps a better way to translate that, you only have to keep your mouth shut. In other words, quit your complaining and pay attention. Then God says to Moses, tell the Israelites to keep moving forward, which is a strange thing to say considering there didn't appear to be anywhere for them to go. But then God commanded Moses to raise up his staff over the waters. And as he did, the wind began to blow back those waters throughout the night so that the waters became divided. And the Israelites, as they walked forward, went on dry ground right through the sea as the waters formed a wall on their right and on their left. And as morning came, the Egyptians and their chariots came chasing after the Israelites, throwing them into great fear once again. But the Lord threw the Egyptians into a panic, causing the wheels of their chariots to become clogged and stuck in the mud. Notice, God strikes them precisely at their point of greatest strength. The chariots, the very thing that the Israelites feared the most. 
And then God commanded Moses to raise his staff up once again. And as he did, the waters came rushing back, tossing the Egyptians and their chariots into the sea as the Israelites continued forward on the road to freedom. You see, as the kids taught us so well next door, it is not up to you to defeat all of your enemies and overcome all of the obstacles on the journey. You only have to keep moving forward with your eyes fixed on God and the Lord will fight for you. For we just happen to have a God who specializes in making a way where there is no way. And that means that there is always a reason for hope. You see, hopelessness is always the result of viewing our circumstances apart from the God who is traveling with us. For when we look at Pharaoh's army, compared to the meager resources we have lined up against it, we will always be filled with despair because we will always be completely overmatched on our own strength. But with God, all things are possible. And yet, it is only as we travel with God through the Red Sea of adversity that we become able to witness God's saving power in our lives. if If we sit around waiting to see that salvation first before we choose to believe and get moving, we will never make it out of Egypt. So whenever tragedy or heartache or disappointment or adversity strikes, keep moving forward and pay attention. Only then will you see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you. Now to be sure, God's deliverance may not always look the way you expected to or hope it would. It may not look like the dream of freedom you've been cherishing for so long. It may even appear as if your life is over. And it is, but only the life of slavery that you've grown accustomed to. Because God will settle for nothing less for you than to be fully alive. And that requires freedom. That's God's dream for you. And it's a dream that came to life in Jesus Christ. For on the cross, Jesus has already shattered the chains of your slavery and defeated your greatest enemy of sin and death. And in your baptism, as you are united with Christ, you have already passed through the waters of the Red Sea. Now you too are on the road to freedom toward the land of God's promise. Now, sometimes you you may still want to look back longing for that old, comfortable life of slavery again so that you can continue to complain or cling to your fears or feel sorry for yourself once again. But that's not really living. 
It's certainly not living in freedom. And remember, you cannot enter the promised land if you're still acting like a slave. So don't you think it's time to let go of your chains and your fears and your comfortable misery and leave them behind because the way to new life lies ahead. Now, like the Israelites, you may not know exactly where it's going to lead or, or how long it's going to take to get there. That's okay because it's the journey that matters because the risen Savior is traveling with you and he's calling you to keep your eyes fixed on him above all else, wherever it is that he leads you, and to keep moving. It is the only way you will ever truly be free. Amen.